Welcome to the From the Flats podcast, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Now, here's your host, Wiley Ballard. And welcome inside another episode here at the start of May postseason, just about underway for the Georgia Tech softball and baseball teams, golf as well, women's tennis, a whole lot of great stuff going on across the flats. But as we get set uh, for this uh, early summer, late spring episode, it doesn't happen often we get to have a guest uh, this beloved and, and universally respected, not only across Georgia Tech presently, but across generation after generation. And that would be uh, new Hall of Fame inductee Jay Shoup, trainer for close to 30 years. We were speaking off-air, Coach. I mean, I think more than anything for you, it, it's the relationships you built over those uh, 30 years. So thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure for me to be with you, and thank you for the very kind remarks. But I think when I hear that, Wiley, it just shows you how old I've gotten. <laughs> and uh, I can, we, we will look back, though. But uh, I had 29 great years on the flats uh, that I would take nothing for. Uh, I am enjoying retirement. <clears throat> it's been busy, uh, to say the least. I have five grandchildren five miles from home. So uh, we're going to a lot of soccer games. And matter of fact, I have a cello concert tomorrow night. So neat, neat things going on, but I do miss the people. Uh, I miss the kids, uh, our, ath our student athletes, who uh, kept me young, honestly. Uh, uh, gave me an opportunity to, um, uh, to stay young by working with them, and, and uh, uh, it was just been, been great, but, uh, but I miss seeing the people. I really do. For your 29 years uh, on the flats, uh, many Tech fans probably recall you uh, dashing across the field tending to uh, injured Yellow Jackets on Saturday afternoons at Bobby Dodd Stadium. But the industry of sports is, is so transient, uh, Coach. So often you see guys ping-ponging back and forth, not only within a sport but across sports. And it, it's hard to, to really grow roots uh, in this industry, but you were able to do that. How did you do that for 29 years in one place? <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think number one, uh, Georgia Tech, uh, I had five head football coaches and five athletic directors, and they all, Georgia Tech itself, allowed me the freedom to hire good people. So we, we had good people around us, and uh, we just worked hard. Uh, we all enjoyed what we did. And then the games themselves I mentioned missing people. I do miss the games because uh, there's nothing like the competition. But, but being able to, uh, you know, go week to week and uh, win, lose, uh, come back on Sunday and start treating our kids, trying to get them better for the next game and then head out for the next week or, or a game at Bobby Dodd uh, was always exciting. And uh, I think that's one thing just kept me kept me going, you know, and the other thing was that, uh, you know, Georgia Tech is a great place. You know, uh, there's lots of opportunities around the country, but Georgia Tech's one of the best. So I was very happy and enjoyed what I did. And, and again, enjoyed the games, enjoyed the kids, but uh, enjoyed Georgia Tech. Do you have a, a favorite moment uh, from, from your time? I know that's probably like uh, asking you to pick a favorite a child or grandchild, but do you have a favorite moment or one that sticks out? Well, there's there's a lot of them with with kids being injured and coming back from injury and their their appreciation for what we did. But 
But uh, if you're looking for one more humorous, that goes back to to football playing Clemson. <clears throat> and I believe I'm right, it was 1989. 87 and 88 had been tough years, <clears throat> and we were starting to turn the corner. And we were playing up at Clemson, and uh, we were winning. Uh, we're having a pretty good season. And, uh, but, you know, that's a tough place to play, and we're holding on. And late in the fourth quarter, they're driving. And they get the ball across midfield, and and uh, looks like, uh, boy, uh, things aren't looking too good. And I look out on the field, and Thomas Balkum is down. And so, you know, they call timeout, and I go running out, and he's laying there. And I look down, and I said, Thomas, what's wrong, partner? He looked up and said, Coach, there's nothing wrong. The boys are tired. If you'll just stay here and talk to me a few minutes and we'll let her catch her breath, we'll get these guys stopped and win this game. <laughs> so uh, – <laughs> So everybody, uh, you know, the commercial's over and <laughs> we're back off TV and I sit there and talk about uh, classes and how things are going. And I said, well, you know, you got to come out of play. Uh, let's walk off here and we'll get you out. And so we take our time and walk off slowly. And and uh, he goes back in and sure enough, we get them stopped and and, and win the game. <laughs> uh, but the, so that was pretty, pretty good. But but the other part to that was when we were there in 87, they actually whipped up on us pretty good. And we're coming off the field, going back into the tunnel there, and there was a lady, a Clemson lady, went all orange, and she just starts berating Coach Ross. You know, I mean, she just giving him down the road, you know, how they'd <laughs> beat up on us. And he looked up at her and said, I'll be back, you know. I'll be looking for you in two years. <laughs> and after that game and we won, we got back in the locker room. He told the team, he says, you remember that lady that I told you? He said, well, I went looking for her, but she wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing all those little things that tie into what we do. That meant a lot to him and us. But it was a great win, but he wouldn't want to let her know that we, we were back <laughs> and we had redeemed ourselves. <laughs> that's uh, that's a wonderful story. And it's interesting because that goes back to, you know, when Coach Ross got started. And, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, those first couple of years were a challenge. Uh, when you look at Georgia Tech football today, hiring Jeff Collins, who uh, you overlapped a year with him there in uh, 2006 when he was on Coach Chan Gailey's staff. And. You know, now he's trying to to begin his run here at Georgia Tech. Uh, what have you seen from Coach Collins uh, from afar, and and what do you expect uh, for his tenure at Georgia Tech? Sure. Well, actually, we he was with us twice. He was with Coach uh, O'Leary, you know, one time there as um, as a GA. I think that's right. Yes. The what I remember about him is that just what you're seeing today is high energy, uh, a fast motor and find a better way to get it done. And uh, he was always uh, ch challenging our kids, challenging the system. And, uh, and I kept an eye on Jeff, uh, really, all through. Uh, uh, we talked when he went to Mississippi State and uh, also when he ended up at Florida. So I, I really kept up with him and, and thought that uh, then when he finally got the head job at Temple, where you get that real head coaching experience, I knew he was a, a real valid candidate uh, to take over whenever Coach Johnson decided to step down. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, everything I saw both times when he was here before, I see now. Uh, I follow everything that they're doing, and I'm just excited. You know, uh, uh, times are changing, culture's changing, and I think he's a good fit right now. 
Uh, I do want to say, uh, uh, send out kudos to Coach Johnson because we won a lot of football games the last 11 years, and that was good. But I think everybody's excited about uh, about Jeff and uh, what he brings to the table and uh, what he's already established. You know, the the staff that he's brought in, uh, the recruiting efforts that we're putting forward, and uh, boy, I just look for for good things for Georgia Tech football. And I can't imagine too often Tashard Choice was uh, was the one going down, banged up. He usually inflicted more punishment uh, than he received, right? <laughs> well, I, I will say that when you look back at the people he hired uh, from, from the Georgia Tech people, they were all solid Georgia Tech folks and, and really favorites of mine. It would be people that would, when they would come in the training room, uh, Marco especially, uh, Brent Key, uh, the, all those guys that, uh, boy, they were just solid people when they were young, young guys, when they were players, and you knew that they were going to be successful. Uh, Tashard especially was always, he had the, the great personality, he was one of my, uh, one of my all-time favorites, and I'll always remember his speech before the Clemson game. Uh, that's a highlight for me in Georgia Tech football. Uh, I go back and look at that about once a year and actually use that in some of my talks. But good people, uh, again, going back to Coach Collins, that, that the Georgia Tech people that he has brought back, I think he's assembled a, a really good staff. And, and again, I just see uh, positive things right now. Well, Coach, thanks so much for the time. And uh, will you be able to make it down to a few games this fall? We expect to see you. Oh, yeah. I only missed one last year, and that was because my dad was ill in Virginia. But other than that, uh, I was there. Um uh, I stayed uh, away last year because I wanted all of our new people. Mark Smith is doing a great job, and uh, Dr. X and Dr. G, and I just didn't want to be around. But I'm going to be uh, now that we got new regimes, new people, and I've been away long enough that uh, I'll be closer down on the field. I stayed up with Coach Hepler a lot and watched from above last year. But uh, you'll see me, uh, I think, even more this year. Hey, don't don't undersell that air conditioning up there in the uh, in the golf suite either. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> well, I say that maybe the first couple of games you may not. After that, <laughs> you're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see you in November. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, so. coach, thanks so much for the time. Uh, best of luck, and and congratulations on uh, not only uh, entering the Hall of Fame here at Georgia Tech this fall, but on a on an impactful. Uh, and revered tenure uh, here on the Flats. Thank you so much, Wally, and go Jackets. All right, next up, we've got Maureen Tremblay, the Total Person Program Coordinator, and she'll share some stories on the trip to Puerto Rico for Jackets Without Borders. This is From the Flats. We're now joined by a very special guest here at the Georgia Tech Athletic Association, the Total Person Program Coordinator, Maureen Tremblay, now in her third year at Georgia Tech. And Maureen, you guys have one of your bigger initiatives of the year coming up here in May, Jackets Without Borders. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So it's the third year that we've done this. It's a program that was started by Todd Stansberry when he first arrived. Um, The first year we went to Costa Rica with about eight students and six staff members. It grew last year to 18 students and three staff members. Um, when we traveled to Puerto Rico and we'll be returning again for a second year to the same community in Puerto Rico with 20 students and four staff members. And what are you guys doing down there? So originally last year we started the project to help with a lot of the hurricane relief from Hurricane Maria. We went to the community of Villa del Rio and worked on five different housing projects to build concrete foundations for their homes in order to start the repairs 
Um, and a lot of the times they need a concrete foundation before they can get funds from FEMA in order to continue the repairs on their house. So we were there to help with the foundation so that then they could apply for funds to finish the rest of their homes that were destroyed. So we will return to the same community this year, meet back with the same community members, which I know our group is really excited about, um, and continue the projects that were started and hopefully get them a little bit step ahead for the repairs on their homes. So as a group, you guys will spend seven days down there or thereabouts. Uh, what is a typical day like? Can you walk us through morning all the way to night? So the first day will be more of an orientation. We get to see San Juan and do a tour of the city, but after the first day, which is kind of relaxing, the next four and a half days are work days. So we wake up early, 6 a.m. wake up call, we have breakfast, load the vans up, drive about 30 to 40 minutes to the community that we're working in. Um, and from there, it's three hours of work on various houses. Sometimes the group will split up and do um, different work projects, but usually our group is working pretty well together. Um, we have lunch that's prepared for us by the community in their community center, which is great. Um, and there we get to in interact a lot with children and community members that are there. Um, and then we return to either finish that project that we started or move on to a new home. So last year, within those four days, we were able to complete uh, four to five housing projects, whether that was a foundation or it was building walls out of concrete or fixing um, the foundational areas of different structures in the community. So. Um, there'll be four and a half work days, and then our trip ends with a tour of the rainforest, and we're going to go on a kayak tour around um, a visitor spot in Puerto Rico as well. When you guys are doing all that manual labor, I assume you're wearing the, the sleekest, dry-fit uh, Adidas gear? We will be decked out Adidas <laughs> gear, um, but work clothes are basically old tennis shoes and then old workout clothes because everything gets covered in concrete. Often we're standing in concrete and trying to wash it off, but... Um, a lot of the work, it's heavy manual labor, very dirty, but the kids end up loving it because it's uh, work that they don't often get to do as a group together. Well, Maureen, you're a, a student athlete yourself from Oregon State. Uh, obviously, uh, that's where Todd Stansbury was uh, there before he came to Georgia Tech. This is the third time you guys have done this, or will be the third trip. What have you noticed uh, on the return from these trips, from the student athletes specifically? What type of experiences or, or what, what kind of insights do they glean from an experience like this? I think oftentimes they realize that the community has impacted them much more than they have left an impact on the community. Um, they feel like they've gotten so much more out of the trip than we were able to leave, which never is truly the case, but they feel so impacted by the experience that oftentimes they're leaving and feeling like it was life-changing for them and they were hoping just to be able to impact someone else. Um, so the change that we see is huge. And then returning, the group is so much closer. Often they comment on how they've been able to meet student athletes outside of their teams, which they often don't have the opportunity to build really close relationships with people that aren't competing next to them. Um, so this is a good way for them to meet other people outside of teams. And then the engagement once we return is so much higher from those student athletes in terms of leadership opportunities or community service, just because they've had their eyes opened from this cultural experience and being able to give back and that kind of permeates through the rest of their college experience with us. And even within the athletic association you get that type of dialogue across teams, across sports. Um, I think that is, is a certain positive that I personally have seen uh, from Jackets Lab Borders. Well, Mose, you wrap things up. I know you're excited to go to Puerto Rico. Uh, with that in mind, how does a student athlete get selected for this trip? Do they volunteer? I mean, how do you guys go about recruiting? Yeah, so we do an application process, so every student has to complete an application saying why they want to go, what benefit they would add to our group, um, and a couple demographic issues of seniors or their 
we try to prioritize seniors because they only have one more shot to go. Um, we actually have three student athletes returning because they had such a great experience last year they would like to return again. One of our students actually asked for it to be his graduation present. Um, so we try to prioritize based on having a diverse range of gender and age, majors, sports, so having lots of people represented. Um, so they do an application and then we get approval from their coaches and their academic advisors. Um, and beyond that, they just have to commit to fundraising for their trip um, and doing all of the needed paperwork and everything like that for the program. But uh, I'm excited that every year it's been growing and we have 20 great student athletes going. So I know we'll have a really cool experience. You guys have room for a podcast host next year? Oh, probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well I'll, I'll have to follow up on that. Uh, Maureen Tremblay, Total Person Program Coordinator, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, make sure you bring some sunscreen and have fun. Yes, thank you. And we're now joined by Georgia Tech baseball pitching coach Jason Howell getting set for a road series up in Durham, North Carolina against the Duke Blue Devils. And, Coach, you guys bring yourselves not only a 33-14 and 14 record, but a top-10 ranking, a national seed projection. You guys are in position to do some pretty special stuff. Uh, what's the key this weekend? No, I think we just have to go up there and continue what we've done the whole year and uh, attack early and throw a lot of strikes and give the offense a chance to do what it is that they do. One of the things that has changed these last couple of weeks, Brant Herter, your Sunday starter, who's top five in the ACC and ERA, out for the year, undergoing Tommy John surgery this past week. And then Xavion Curry, unavailable this weekend as well with a uh, balky back. How does that affect your uh, pitching rotation this weekend? Well, I mean, the good thing with it is we're able to plug two guys in a situation with Rodig and Willingham who've kind of done it before, and they've done it in the ACC as well with those couple series of having Herter and Curry on limited action. So not a big shift as far as the bullpen goes or having to put people in situations they're not accustomed to. So hopefully we'll get those guys rolling and uh, see how it goes. The understanding, of course, with a guy like Court Rodeck or Amos Willingham, not that they won't have the opportunity to go seven or eight innings, but the expectation might be a little lower. So, therefore, bullpen's got to cover some more innings. And one name I want to ask you about, a guy who's had some more recent success here in the sophomore season is Hugh Chapman. Uh, why has he had more success these last five, six times out? He's just gained a lot of confidence with uh, with each time out. You know, he tends to get better. You know, he had the stuff last year. I think some of the, the freshman growing pains of not knowing exactly when he was going to get out there, adjusting to a new role of, of starting some, relieving some, and now knowing that he's coming in out of the bullpen, he's coming in in close games. I think he's really embraced that, and he's able just to let his stuff work for him. It's your seventh season here at Georgia Tech. The first uh, three trips up to Durham, North Carolina. We're played at Jack Coombs Field. This one's going to be at Durham Bulls Athletic Park, part of the ACC tournament rotation as well. You'll be back up there in a couple weeks. How does that affect how this series is played compared to years past being at Coombs? No, a field we're familiar with, obviously, with the ACC tournament. You know, Coombs plays larger, um, plays faster, just with you know slower, I should say, with the turf. Um, we're going to be on a more natural surface, and you know, left field wall is going to come into play, just being the big monster that it is out there. So, just a different ball game. I feel like played at the Durham Bulls Park as opposed to on campus. Does that help you guys at all going up there in two weeks or getting a sneak preview this weekend, or is that just something somebody like myself likes to make a bigger deal about it than it really is? No, it definitely doesn't hurt, you know, especially with a couple new guys with Rodig, Bart Nicky, a couple of our position guys seeing it for the first time, and you know, you go up there and you're trying to win a championship, it won't be the first time stepping foot on that field. Seven regular season games left. The ACC tournament follows, and in a couple weeks we'll have Selection Monday. Coach Jason Howell, thanks for your time, and uh, go get them this weekend. All right, guys, come watch us. Georgia Tech in Duke. Jackets then return home for four games against the Mercer Bears next Tuesday, and then Pittsburgh to wrap up uh, the 2019 regular season. Women's tennis in the postseason, as well as golf. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff going on.
here at Georgia Tech. You've been listening to the From the Flats podcast. Be sure to tune into the Georgia Tech IMG Sports Network on game days for live coverage and subscribe to this channel to get the latest news on the Yellow Jackets.